Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. All right, that's great. Y'all believe me? Y'all looking whack this morning, man. What y'all got on this morning? I'm just playing with y'all. All right, let's get it in this morning. Um, just for, um, you can go ahead and jump to, we're going to be going through Hebrews 11, um, starting at verse 1 this morning. We're basically just going to be working through the text. So we've been inside of this series called Faith, Faith, Faith for the past, this will be our, um, our third week in it, um, and we're going to just keep on pushing through this. And so, see how to start this out. So... I don't know what it is, but like I've just been in a season where the word faith has just kind of been huge to me, right? Um, a couple weeks ago, excuse me, not a couple weeks, week before last, I was invited to a, um, to a conference, right? I won't go into too much detail, but it was a conference basically hosted by a um, political party. And um, I was invited to come to this dinner to talk about community engagement. And... Um, was anybody here when I talked about going to Harvard a couple of months ago? Like when I came back and I talked about how grieved I was, right? Do y'all remember that? And I was just like, I was so excited, but when I got home, I was like, what in the world did I just see, right? And so I went down to this dinner. We're talking about community engagement. There's 17 people at the table. I have no idea why they would invite me to it, but I got an invite to it. And so I'm down there looking like, what in the world am I doing here? Two of the people, I know from the news, like, you know, like, actually, I'm like, oh, I've seen you on the news before, right? So, like, just to give you the kind of idea of who's at the table. And everybody keeps starting their conversation with, well, as a Christian, well, as a Christian, and I'm sitting at the table, and I'm ready to jump across the table and choke somebody, because I'm like, nothing you're talking about is Christian, right? We're talking about community engagement, but I'm like, you actually don't want to engage with people and you don't like people. That's not Christian. You understand where I'm coming from? And, and, and no joke, the dinner ends with, every, with not everybody, but several people at the table going off on me. Like, it was bad. Like, the, it was a bad look for the kid. Like, I was in there, they were like, like, get out of here with all that, man. Like, it was like that. Like, where they, like, they came up out of themselves to come at me or whatever, and so, you know, a brother not get street, but you know, I just like, I felt like God was like, like, shit, just be quiet. You know what I'm saying? But I know I'm not giving you all the details, but I left very grieved. And it's not, I'm not trying to make a play on, on any political side because I've experienced it on both sides of the aisle. But what I felt like I caught myself in was this thing where we're rewriting what Christianity is, right? And so faith is fundamental in your walk as a believer. Like you can't follow God truly unless God has gifted you with faith, right? And the Bible talks about, like we were in 2 Peter 1 and it talks about your faith and then supplementing your faith. But faith is given to us as a gift from God and it lets us actually see God. But there's people who they, they will throw in a Christian, the Christian badge quicker than you can even spin your head so fast. But they don't have faith. Because if you have faith in God, you have faith in what God values. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Like when the Bible says, when, 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 we, when we see, I must decrease so he must increase, right? He must increase, right? You get where I'm coming from? So like if we are actually followers of Christ and we have faith in God, what he says is right, even when we feel like we should be able to debate it a little bit. At the end of the day, our declaration of faith is that God, you're true. You understand where I'm coming from? And so I just feel like I've been in these rooms lately with people, and I guess there's just that naiveness, and I've said this to you before, where I walk in and I'm like, man, these people are like highly esteemable, you know, to the rest of the world. I can't believe I'm sitting here and I'm expecting to hear something, but there's never nothing there, right? And I want you to hear that because when I'm preaching to you about faith today, I want you to understand how important your faith is. So I used to walk in these rooms, I used to go, what am I doing in this room? But the fact of the matter is, I'm finding out the people who are in the room, they actually shouldn't be in the room. Do you get where I'm coming from? And this is why it's so important for you to hear about your faith because God is already playing out your life and your trajectory and, your, and all of that. He's already, he's already pre-laid it out for you. We get off when we stop having faith and start trying to make our own path. You understand where I'm coming from? Y'all with me? But it's like I just, just being in some of these rooms, I'm like some of the faithful people of God, we should be in the room. People esteem the word of God, not the slogan, I'm a Christian, or to use that for their benefit. You understand what I mean? Are y'all with me? So I want you to understand, just play with that as we're working through these scriptures. Your faith is important for so many people beyond you. It's important for you, but it's important for so many people beyond you that you affect in the rooms God is going to walk you into. All right, so we're going to be in Hebrews 11, 1 through 7 today. And I'm going to talk a little quick because I feel like I have a lot of content. Um, but I may slow up every now and then because Pastor Ignatius, were y'all here for Pastor Ignatius last week? Who's here for him last week? Yo, he, took, he took some long breathers during his sermon. If I stop for five seconds, y'all look at me like I'm crazy. He just was like, and just chilling. Y'all were so all patient. I was like, don't do that for me. They be looking at me like, I don't think he got his stuff together. Look at him. You, I was like that, man. Like, I can't get that. So I, I'm going to stop today if I need to stop. I'm just letting you know. We're going to let the Lord work how he works. All right? All right, so we in Hebrews 11, 1 through 7. Let me read it to you. Friend, I hope you didn't copy mine down, because I got Hebrews misspelled on mine. All right. <laughs> got me sitting in the room with all these important people. I can't even spell Hebrews. Lord, do you know what you're doing? All right. There you go. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of all receive their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was, he was commended as having pleased God, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. 
By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So that's the text we're going to be working through today, right? And I'm going to just break it up into pieces or whatever, um, and we're just going to um, break down the text. So it's going to be I'm a little bit more teaching than anything else, right? So look, let's look at this first part right here. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, right? This idea of assurance is this idea, so your, your, your synonyms would be honor, promise, pledge, vow, oath, bond, guarantee, commitment, right? We saw in 2 Peter 1, it started like this. It said, Simeon, Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, and he says, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus and of Jesus our Lord, right? So other texts say, um, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, right? The evidence of things not seen. But this one says the assurance. So it's saying that faith is the guarantee. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? It's going to sound simple, but I want you to grab it. Because if you miss this right here, everything in the whole, your whole entire walk with God will be off if you miss faith, all right? So I'm going to make a big deal out of it because it is a big deal. So faith speaks to our understanding of who God is and what he wants, not what level our willpower is on. Let me break that down to you real quick. A lot of times I think people, and I think this happens in church, where people start getting kind of in this contest like, yeah, you need you need to step your faith game up, like me. You know what I'm saying? So the way we'll counsel somebody or whatever, like if they're having financial woes or something like that, or they're going through hardships, instead of doing what God says by loving your brother and sister and actually weeping with those who weep, entering their story, supporting them, we pull little games like, I'm gonna pray for you, you just need to have more faith, right? Which is not a bad statement in itself. But a lot of times we're talking about the person needs to get their faith game up and we're talking about something within themselves, right? And their belief system or like, you know, go power type of deal, like it's a thirst, like it's a, like it's a Gatorade commercial or something, right? But faith is actually something God gives us. And the quality of faith and the value of it is based on the one we have faith in, right? So the one we have faith in is God. So if there's any striving that a Christian does, it's actually to see God more, right? Because your faith, as your faith realizes who it has faith in and, and, and their, their, his credibility, his truth, his majesty, and his all, the result is you start walking around like you're bulletproof because you're like, if God is with me, who's going to be against? Who's who, who going to stop me? Who's who going to check us, boo? You get where I'm coming from? All right. So there's an assurance. Now, faith is the assurance. It's the guarantee of things hoped for, right? What's important here for us to know is that faith is not about God being our magic gene, right? Like, it's not about, you know, God, I want, you know, I want a jet. Even though some pastors or whatever out here, whatever, they having faith for their jet. Do what you want to do. But it's not about God being a magic genie and us coming to him with our a wish list. Because there's a word in here when you're reading this or whatever, and it says things, right? 
since now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. That word things is a very important word in this text. And if you start reading through, the, you know, it's a, it seems insignificant to us, but if you start reading through the, the New Testament, you'll see that, like, Paul will use the word things a lot. And when he's talking about things, he's talking about things that are promises of God, right? So faith is the substance of things hoped for. So the hope of a believer, right? Number one, there's this understanding that we are lost in our sins. So our hope is to be forgiven, right? Our hope is that salvation is true, that Jesus on the cross is true, and that his blood covers all of our sins. There's also the eternal promises that are included in this things that, are, that he's talking about. When he says things, he's talking about things that God promises us in his word, right? I'm not saying you can't pray for a jet, but God is not obligated to hit you with one, all right? Just want to make sure that you're clear so if you doesn't show up, you don't get disappointed, all right? So God, he looks at the condition of man, the damnation and the judgment that awaits all of us who have sinned, which is all of us, and in his mercy responds with faith in Christ Jesus. So when God looks at our sin, he responds with mercy, and his mercy is, is faith, right? It's faith to now see. And it's important for you to know because anything that will ever come near to you that pertains to truth, to glory, to love, to goodness, to knowing God himself will only come through faith. It's only going to come through faith, right? We can build things and all that other stuff or whatever, but the things that God calls beautiful, they only come through faith. So it's important to know. And it's, faith is a valuable currency because if you talk to any believer that's been walking with Christ for some long period of time, the regrets they're going to talk about is that when they didn't have faith in God, right? Some of you may already know what I'm talking about. Like, I'm doing a past Ignatius, hold on. Y'all better hold, y'all gave it to him, y'all better have mercy the same way. All right? So, if you're single, for instance, right? You may be a believer and in your singleness, and you may look, you, you may make this walk, and perhaps one day God will have you get married. But if you walked in your singleness bitter, second-guessing God's love to you, you're going to rejoice when you get what you want, but you're also going to grieve about the way you doubted him in your faith. Do you get where I'm coming from? There's, there's, going to be, there's going to be things where there's, there's people you let hang in your life for way too long because you didn't think God had another way or another answer. And you're going to look back and be like, that, that caused way more damage than I wanted it to. But I didn't have the faith to know God had something different. And then when you finally stepped out, you're like, boy, I should have done this a long time ago. You get where I'm coming from? You're going to regret caring what people think. The thing about regret, though, is this right here. As a believer, regret actually leads us into repentance, and it also is this thing where it's actually a blessing and wonderful thing to be able to regret something because it means that Holy Spirit is taking you to this other place where you've seen God clearer. Remember I was talking about your faith being magnified by the one that your faith is actually in, and as we see him clearer, that's why God, that's why God points us to Jesus because that's the only way that we see who he is. Are y'all with me so far? All right, am I putting you all asleep? 
All right, don't make me get the howling up in here. Let's look at this next piece. It says the conviction of, not, of things not seen. So when we talk about conviction, I know the staff ain't texting doing something. Y'all texting me? Right, I'm just playing. All right. The conviction of things not seen. So conviction is a firmly held belief or opinion, right? So let me kind of put you in the story a little bit. So if you are a believer, you're in, a, you, you, you're in this, this love affair with God, so to speak, right? And so it's kind of like, let's say me and you, um, like let's say like, I, you know, me and Lana worked together and I didn't know her. And I see her whatever one day in the lunchroom coming through, you know? About to warm up some Hot Pockets or something, all right? And I never saw her at the job or whatever. And I'm over there or whatever, you know, getting the grilled cheese right or whatever I'm doing. And I'm like, yo, I got to meet her. So I'm like, I think I'm going to send some roses to her desk, right? So I'm like initiating this thing. She doesn't know who I am, but I'm initiating this thing or whatever, right? Because I'm like, I'm feeling her, so I'm starting something. Y'all with me? Come on, man. Y'all don't watch Love and Hip Hop or nothing? Like, you don't like drama? I'm just playing. You don't support Love and Hip Hop. I'm sorry. All right. But like, God sends faith. Like, 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 he makes himself seen by sending faith to us, right? A lot of times we're like, yeah, man, I was just going through stuff and I just started kind of seeking God. But like, no. No man comes to God on his own accord, right? That's what the word tells us. So God actually, in his goodness and mercy to you, started hitting you with this thing called faith in your heart. And that thing called faith started to turn you towards him. Y'all with me? All right. So verse 3 says, By faith we understand that, in the, uni that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made, of, made out of things that are visible. I'm going to read that one more time. By faith, this is something now that we have faith, this is what faith is doing. It says, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is where you start to decrease and God starts to increase, right? This understanding gives God credibility as the creator of all things. And so it causes a reverent fear, and it also tells you that, that we're in his story and he's not in ours, right? So we don't define God. We, we're in the midst of his story, right? And so that speaks to the practical realities that we live in every single day. Because if you think that God is just like a add-on or an asset that you roll with, you move around every day and you do what you do and you be like, hey God, bless the things that I'm doing. If you think that you are in God's story, he's the creator of all things and he's a holy, righteous, and a good God and he rewards those that seek him, then you seek him and you go, God, what would you have me to do? Because you made me, you created me. Father, you say that you're going to actually direct my paths and my steps and because you're a good God and you, and I know that this is true, then the path you want me to ride on is the best path for my life. I'm not even going to assume. When I look at creation, the all that it makes causes in me, when I look at how mankind can't even get to the depths of the sea, and every time they go to the bottom of the sea, then they find a new you know, species of something. And we look at the moon and the stars, and we can't get to the end of it. The pure awe of it humbles me to the place where I'm like, yo, God, 
you tell me how to live, right? That's, that's what he's saying here. We understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. For the world, this probably sounds very foolish if we say something like that. Yes, we believe God spoke the whole universe into existence. We believe the leather-bound Bibles we carry around are actually his word and tells us his will and what he wants. Yes, we believe that. That's important. That's important. That's important that there's no wiggle room in that statement for you, right? Because if there is wiggle room, the enemy's going to creep up in it. If you leave a crack, he is coming to see you. Just know that. So it's like, with your faith, where do you stand? Do you believe that he is the creator of the universe? Do you believe that you are sinful in need of a savior, right? Because I believe that I can preach all of this to you right here, and I will most definitely, by the end of this day, be sinning as if none of this is actually true. That's what I believe. I believe that I will actually get angry. I will do all type of things that say, hey, Jay, why are you tripping out, man? Why are you stressing out? I thought God had everything under control. I forgot. So I need his, re I need his mercy and grace just because I'm forgetful in his majesty, even though I stand and breathe it in and enjoy it every day. That makes me guilty beyond belief. Do you get where I'm coming from? But he's playing the part of author and finisher of our faith. That's huge. That's huge for everybody in this room. I, I, I talk to y'all. Y'all talk to me. How much stuff do we face during the week and the enemy telling you lies about yourself and making you second-guess everything you do? And how often do we cut God out of that conversation? How often do we make this word really small? It's like, yeah, that's cute, God, but I got some real problems. And we make God really small. So you can fling the sun out of his hand and the moon and the stars, but he can't deal with a light bill. Or he can't deal with the issue, Right? I'm not saying that the lights may going to get cut off or whatever they are or not, but I'm just saying that God is still going to be God in the dark and the light. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying that all things work out for the good of those that love him. Do you get where I'm coming from? We're going to get to it. Let's keep on moving. <clears throat> Verse 6. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Seek him. Excuse me. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So listen to this right here. So you can be doing your thing, right? You could be checking off all the boxes that the world says is absolutely amazing, right? You could be, you can be, your family could be celebrating everything you do and go, you are killing it, you are killing it in school, um, or you started your business, you worked really hard, you're being faithful, you've done these things, they're absolutely amazing. Bro, you're like, you're like the great picture of what it looks like to be success, successful, and you can completely be off the path that God has called you to. That's important to know, because it puts us inside of this tension, right? It puts us in this tension where you have to ask God, what, is, what am I called to, Lord? 
Like, what's the steps you've ordered for me to walk in so I can actually get on that path? Because you've created me for a specific thing. God is not confused. He wasn't confused when he made you, right? He, he, he's, he's not confused. Like, he may not tell you the whole story, but he most definitely will lay out the path. If you, if you are walking in faith, he will do what his word says and accomplish it, right? But it's impossible to please him without faith. It doesn't mean that certain things are not good things, expedient, great for culture, good, great for humanity, all these different things. Satisfying to you, don't hurt anybody at all. But the problem is, we're in something that God created. Are you with me? We're, so if you come over to my house, right, and there's something in my house, there's several things broke, I may have a list of what's a priority because something, we got a party coming up or something. You may come in and go, yo, listen, I'm gonna go work on, you know, something downstairs. Well, nobody's going downstairs during the party, right? And the list I left for you said that you need to get the thing in the kitchen fixed. You understand where I'm coming from? So you are fixing something that needs to be fixed, right? So you may be doing some noble work, some type of humanitarian work, whatever the case may be. You may be fixing something that needs to be fixed, but like, if you're not working in the house where you're supposed to be working at, then you're working against the plan. Does that make, any, does that make sense? Right? I'm not trying to back you into condemnation. I'm not trying to make you look at your job and go, am I supposed to be here and all that? But like, play with the tension of it. Play with the tension of, God, what have you called me to do? What, where, where's your will for me to be at, right? We gotta play with the tension that comes out of that. Because the world will actually put you inside of a bubble, celebrate you all the while, all the way to your death and to your damnation where you completely miss God at. I'm just trying to be super real with it. I don't wanna play with it at all. That's a heavy word, but it's the truth. It's what he's telling us. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So we don't get to draw the line on what we think actually is this is actually awesome for God. And, and, and I've been guilty of it. Anybody been guilty of that? Can I get some haze inside of the room? Right? You ever start working real hard for God, like God, this, you know, and you feel like you're there with him, but you've completely missed God in the process. You're not even close to him in the process. Right? You have no, you have no rest in what you're doing at all because you're not near God in the process. I've been guilty of it. I'm not talking about something like I'm meeting the mark and I'm killing it. I'm just saying as a church, as a body all together, we got to stand before God and take this really serious because it's what's in this word. And the problem is this right here. What we value, the patterns of this world, what it speaks to us as being real and as being true is simply not what God values. God defines success very differently than the world defines success. And he flips what the world calls good, he takes it and he flips it upside down. Let me show you something real quick. This is 1 Corinthians 13. And I've used this scripture before, maybe in the same way, or maybe not. Some of this was, you know, like, this, this is kind of, there's kind of a specific thing that I'm looking to, that I think is in the scriptures that I want you to feel. And it, and it kind of comes from the conversations I was telling you before, like where I'm in these conversations of people are saying, as Christians, as Christians, as Christians. 
But everything they keep talking about, I'm like, that's not as a Christian. And I'm not no walking around every time somebody talks, judgmental type person, but there is things that systematically we break really, really bad when we don't look into God's word deeply. Is, do do y'all agree with that statement? Right? Let me tell you really fast what's happening right now. I was upstairs praying before I came down here, and I was, you know, I was just praying about my house. Some of y'all know my house flooded last year. My house is still messed up or whatever, right? And so, so like half of my house, we don't use it. And I was praying about it, and I just kind of was mentioning it or whatever to God. I said, God, you know, I really need this fixed or whatever. It just crossed my mind. Like, I just start thinking about the church right now. Like, the church right now is like, like, God's house is, like, divided. Like, one part of it is unusable. Like, there's, there's, there's one part of the house where there's, like, Christians in it that are very unchristian. Right? There's, like, the real church and then there's the fake church. And so if you bring somebody to church, it's like you got to almost tell them, like, yo, don't go on that side of the house. Like, you got to warn them, like, don't go on that side. I know, it, I know all the Christian things I keep telling you about, they got signs and posters about them. They don't actually believe that for real. God is grieved over that. And he needs faithful believers to actually step into that conversation, to find their voice, right? To find, to find him and their faith give them the boldness to speak up. Do you understand what I'm saying? Am I talking crazy to y'all? All right. I'm sorry. Let me go. All right. First Corinthians 13, let me read this to you. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Y'all heard that scripture before? You've heard that scripture before, right? Let's break it down real quick. So the first part of it, I just want you to, let's, let's talk about this as if we're talking about somebody's resume, right? Like, let's talk about it from that angle. So it's like, man, they're very spiritual. spiritual. You know, he talks in tongues of men and angels, have prophetic powers. Wow, that's, that's a plus. I could use some prophetic stuff. You know, give me the lottery numbers. We'll make it work. Okay. Understand mysteries and knowledge. Wow. Intellectual. It's a plus for sure. Go getter. Get her done. Efficient. Moves in excellent. Problem solver. Can remove mountains. Faith. Boom. Right? Sacrificial. Give you the shirt off their back. Their last. Would die for the cause. I don't know about you, I think all of these things are great things. Would you not agree? Does anybody disagree with that? I think those are absolutely great things. Nevertheless, this scripture right here, unless we want to arm wrestle against it, this scripture is telling us that these things actually don't amount to anything if they have not love in it, right? And let me just get real quick, I don't want to get into like a Hallmark card type of thing when we're talking about love. We're talking about love that only, we only understand it through the cross and through what Jesus Christ did on the cross, right? Not sacrificing the way we write sac being sacrificial. Understand? I think that's super important to know. But it's saying that you can have all of these things, but they absolutely amount to nothing before God if they lack love, if they're not birthed out of what God has done on the cross through his son, Jesus. Does that make sense? But like, so I want you to jump into the tension 
Because I think we all get caught in this. People walk in there like, yo, they're crazy smart. And we give them a certain value, even in the church. But they don't love people. Right? You feel me? Resume's crazy. They don't love people. Academics, crazy. They don't love people. It's worthless. It's worthless. Spiritual, yo. Like, no joke, this is a real story. I'm getting off track. Y'all know my son, Zaya. His middle name is Zulu, right? The other day we were in Target. I swear to you, this is the truth. One of the workers in there, this lady came up and she was talking to all the kids. And she goes, you're little Zulu? And Lana's like, I'm there. I'm like, how'd you, how'd you know that? And she's like, I just said it. And I was like, his name is Isaiah Zulu. Like, how'd you know that? But anyway, I was about to try to see if she'd come work for the church. But anyway, all right, it's never for that point. <laughs> but you get where I'm coming from, right? Like, these things are great. Person gets it done. They make things happen. Intellect, spiritual, sacrificial. These are all, I'm not saying any of these things are bad things at all. I'm just saying our value system, the way our flesh leads us to praise certain things is not the game that God is actually playing, right? It's not what he's, it's not what he's doing. And he, and he slams that on its head in the scripture. I think a lot of times we read through this really quick and we just hear all this stuff about love. Like, yes, love is so awesome and powerful. Now he's making a very definitive statement right here. He's talking about our idolatry. He's talking about idolatry that functions in the church on a very heavy level. Because the world can do whatever it wants to, right? It is what it is. But inside of the church, this has become a really big problem. This is what has made our house where it's like, you can't go on that side. Because that side esteems all of these things greatly, but they don't actually love people. They don't actually have the love of Christ. Let me say it like that. That's the proper way to say it. They don't have the love of Christ. So I'm making a big point at this or whatever because everything that flows out of your heart from a place of faith, if it does not move like this, it can have awesome results. Things that people will quantify and be like, that is great, that looks like fruit, that looks like fruit, but you still have to weigh it before the, before the Lord. Does that make sense? It's important. It's important. Because we show up here and we serve, right? Like, I bleed to get these sermons out. But, like, God has, God is, God is a, a, a mission for his church. And, and, and part of that mission is us being inside of this room together, loving each other, having unity and all of these different things. But, like, if these things are priority over loving each other, then we're not going to succeed, right? We'll get some kind of weird altered fruit out of it all, right? Let me go to verse 4 right here, still in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Man, I'm gonna get that, you get that as a tattoo. A Hallmark card, it's so perfect and beautiful. The only problem is this right here, right? In Romans 8, it says, it talks about the creation being set free from the bondage of corruption. Your flesh is addicted to corruption. It's addicted to corruption. So, 
The problem becomes this right here. Your flesh, let me make, make it inclusive. Your flesh and my flesh. So here's the thing what I'm, that I'm trying to tell you. When you read a scripture like this, and it says all of these wonderful things, our thing is to assume, yeah, beautiful, and we kind of just sit there with it. But this stuff requires the power of the Holy Spirit to function it, because it's not characteristic of humans just to be patient with other people. Right? It's not. We can, I, you get in the line at McDonald's, we're ready to kill somebody. Like, you go on YouTube right now, I'll show you like 50 million videos with people getting body slammed because they're taking too long. We're not patient. And we're not kind unless people are giving us what we want when we want it. Right? I don't know if sermons like this hit really well, but I know that this is a problem in God's church right now. I know that this not being taken serious undermines what God is calling his people to, right? So I got to preach it. It just is what it is, right? But the word says, and this is the thing where we go back to faith. What do you have faith in? Because in this scripture right here, it says, let me read this real fast. It says, it's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. If we rejoice with the truth, then hearing this type of stuff is actually good news for us because it actually means that it's actually bringing us closer to the Father and to his likeness and what he wants out of us, right? But what do we have faith in? Do we have faith in the picture of like walking with God that we've said or do we have faith in what God says is actually true? Do we actually rejoice with the truth, right? Do we rejoice in the truth? And I don't mean this as a good virtue. We need the Holy Spirit to do that. When my wife tells me I left some underwear on the floor, I get mad about it. She says, what is it? I'm a sinner. I get upset. I guess that wasn't a good example. Nobody seemed to like that thought. Okay, anyway. But you get where I'm coming from. I just, God in his, the faith that he gives us is saving us from giving credibility to ourselves as being good. I mean, that's freedom. Because we, we, we aren't, we aren't, righteous within ourselves, right? So this isn't like, this isn't like God has given us some, some, some nasty pie to eat or something or whatever. We aren't that. And if we think we are that, we're living in a lie, right? Where everybody's trapped in the lie and they can't see truth, he's blessed us with truth. And he's drawn us near to him, right? So we rejoice with truth. Even when we hear hard words or hard sermons, yeah, we're addicted to corruption. We may feel like, oh, man, uh, uh, I mean, you know, I send a little something every, you know, every blue moon or whatever, but I don't know about all that addicted to corruption. Man, it's corruption. Paul calls it wretched. We've had this conversation before. He calls it, he calls it sin wretched, right? You make your sin just kind of ugly, you're only going to need a kind of, of a God. You make your sin hopeless, you need an all-powerful creator of the whole universe, God, to save you out of that hole. Do you get where I'm coming from? I'm just playing. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just hitting you with, we can't do halfway in, halfway out, church. Like, as your pastor, I'm not going to let us do it. And don't think that I'm preaching it because I'm good. This thing stings me way more than it stings you because i got to work through every word of it. And sometimes I'm on the floor trying to get this word out because I'm like, how do I preach this? How do I preach this? 
I'm at home like, God, I'm disgusting. How sinful and wretched. But I know this is what he wants for us. He's calling us to rejoice in truth. And this is the problem with this lie persisting so much also, right? There's people in here that are meek. And your meekness, the people in the world call it weakness, right? So when he says in his scripture, love is patient and kind, love does not envy or boast, it's, it's not arrogant or rude, there's people around you or whatever that they don't care to be patient with people, and they're, they're cool with being rude and brutalizing people to get stuff done, and they're like, I'm efficient, got it done, scored the touchdown. And you're sometimes the person that gets ran over in it, and they will treat you like you're weak. But you're more concerned about loving the people around you than you are with scoring the touchdown. You rather take the long walk to get the touchdown, and the world keeps telling you weak. The truth is you actually one of God's gangsters. Because if we're looking at his word right now and we're esteeming this word to be true, he esteems that. He esteems patience and kindness. And sometimes that's slow. Do y'all get where I'm coming from? Sometimes that's slow. When you, when you have patience with people and you let them into light, your life and you take this long walk with them, it's slow. It's inconvenient. But it's the only way to get to redeeming broken things. So people are playing a game when they talk about, we're going to snap this into place, but we, re we refuse to have proximity and weep with people who weep. Uh, who weep. Do you get where I'm coming from? You can't, you can't move this forward without doing it God's way. You can only make something strange and weird. Proverbs 3, 5 says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I have a lot more, but I've been preaching for a while. So I'm going to wrap it up right there. Let me read that one more time real quick. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Spacely have faith in the Lord. Reliance in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your words... In all your, excuse me, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Man, God is so good to us and he loves us so much. And he loves us so much that when he gives us faith, he opens our eyes to him out of mercy and goodness. We don't deserve it, but he does it but he also opens your eyes to you, right? He lets you see your wretchedness. But our flesh is our flesh, and, and, it, and, it, and it claws, and it fights, and it bites back to not see that, right? It, was, it doesn't want to know how ugly it is. It doesn't know how much blood is on our hands. It doesn't want to know we were in the crowd screaming for Barabbas to go free. It doesn't want to know that. 
It, was, it doesn't want to know. In our mind, we're like, there's no way in the world I would have been standing there telling them to crucify Jesus. But every time we go, God, I'm going to get back to you, but I got this thing I want to go do. I want to lean to my own understanding today. We put him on the cross. We say you're not the way, the truth, the light. We got another way. But there is no other way. And so you have to move forward with suspicion of yourself. Right? It's even in church order. You set up elders and leaders who have authority in it because you don't even assume the pastor is perfect. The pastor, if he has common sense, doesn't assume he's perfect and flawless. Our declaration that God is holy and true, not ourselves. So he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Man, this verse will serve you so well. If you put your faith in Christ Jesus, it will serve you so well to stop sometimes and go, God, this way seems right to, to me. But the scripture says there's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is death. Right? When we lay this path and we do it ourselves, it's going to sound real cute. And we're going to be like, yo, we got the master plan. Our team is out of this world. Our team, man, we got some spiritual people, intellectuals. We got people who are sacrificial that will put everything together, whatever, and this and that. And we'll, and we'll, we'll drive right off the side of a cliff. We'll drive off the side of a cliff because we miss Jesus in the whole process. We didn't have the love of Jesus in our heart, which fuels everything we do. All right, I love y'all. About to take communion. I want to stand up real quick. Let's pray really fast. Well, we don't have to pray really fast. Let's pray really slow. <laughs> Glory to you, Lord. God, we praise you, Father. God, I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us, Father. I praise you, Father, Lord, that you are constantly sanctifying us, Father Lord. You said you are the author and the finisher of our faith, Father. So none of us, we don't have to hear this word this morning, Father Lord, and be lost in this land of condemnation because you've already covered all our sins in your blood, in your son's blood, Father. You've already made us righteous before you, but nevertheless, you gave us a promise. One of the things that you promised is that you would Send your Holy Spirit, and your Holy Spirit will live in us, and it will sanctify us, and we will walk every day, and we will be changed as we, as we see you and as we behold you. Your word says all things work out for the good of those that love you, Father Lord, and are moving according to your purpose, Father Lord. So as I pray, Father Lord, for people in here who are struggling with their purpose and where they are in the story that you have for their life as the creator of everything, Father Lord, I pray that you would give them ears to hear, Father eyes to see you, that you would bless them with faith, Father. I pray for our faith to be increased as we see you more and more, Lord. I pray that you would give us a heart to want to supplement our faith with other things, Father Lord, like, like, like brotherly love, Father Lord, and affection for each other. These things that though they seem hard and they need the Holy Spirit, they actually build unity with each other. They show us our ugliness, and it shows us other people's ugliness, Father Lord, and humbles us to say, God, we are lost without you. We don't have the answers. You are the answer. So 
So we declare that as your church, Father Lord. God, I thank you, Father Lord, that when you saw us in our sin, Father Lord, you looked on us. And you had pity on us, Father. And you said, I'm going to wipe away their iniquities, and they're going to be called my children. Lord, I pray for anybody in here this morning, Father Lord, that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, Father. That you would do a work in their heart this morning, Father Lord, that you would touch them. And you would move them towards you, Father Lord, that you would draw them near. That they would join a family of believers, Father Lord, and, and, and join in our inheritance, Father Lord, for the promises that you've, called, that you've given us, Father. Jesus, first and foremost, eternity with you. So we praise you and we thank you, Lord, that it's by your stripes that we're healed. Not by the scars we get, but by your stripes. We thank you, Father, Lord, for loving us, for your patient, kind love. I pray, Father, Lord, that you continue to do a work in our hearts in this conversation where we start to divide the word and look at what's really, really truth. I pray, Father, Lord, that you begin to untangle us from the lies we see in the world, the thing that seem to be normalcies, Father, Lord, that we, uh, even as we try to work through truth, we've been bombarded with so many lies, we begin, the truth starts to get a little weird and a little funny looking. I pray, Father, Lord, that you would gift us in a way where when we hear truth, even when it stings us, that we would rejoice in it. That we would live in a way that we would say, God, I don't mind if you slay me. Lord, help me decrease, that you would increase. Pray, Father, Lord, that we would lose confidence in the lies and the way we would like to fantasize things to be. And we will willing, be willing to sacrifice that for what is actually truth. So we praise you, Father. We thank you for your son, Jesus, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you sent him to die on the cross for our sins, Father. We thank you, Father, and we worship you as we take communion today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. As we take communion today, somebody will be in the front to pray. If anybody just has any questions or just curious and God, just feel like God is drawing you, please come up. We'd love to pray for you. You can grab me after service, all right? Love y'all.